Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's as if we say to God, hands off, I got this. And God will never force himself on us. He'll never force his will on us. And, and Unless and until we come to the end of ourselves and we throw up our hands and surrender and say, Lord, I can't. I can't do this. There's no way. It's in those times that God says, well, will you let me do it then? I'll do it. I'll do it in my way, and I'll do it for my glory. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Second Chronicles. There are times in life where a struggle we come up against seems impossible to beat. Today in Second Chronicles, Pastor J.D. shares with us a story of Jehoshaphat in which he's against impossible odds. Instead of succumbing to fear and giving up, Jehoshaphat looks to God and reminds himself of all the times God came through for him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Let's get into the Word. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. We're going through Second Chronicles chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And tonight, just one chapter, chapter 20. So you can turn there if you're not there already. Verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then verse 2, some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, of all places, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in En Gedi. For those of you who have been to Israel with us, you know that En Gedi is close in proximity to uh, Jerusalem. So now we have yet another threat against Jehoshaphat. And in order to really appreciate the magnitude, the enormity of what he's up against now from the Moabites and the Ammonites, you sort of need to remember what happened to Jehoshaphat the last time he went to battle. Uh, he almost lost his life when he went into battle with his alliance with that wicked king Ahab, who did in fact in that battle uh, lose his life. Now, I suppose in all fairness and to his credit, uh, he handles it very differently this time. As we're about to see, he uh, prays and fasts. And this is his first response instead of his last resort or his second thought, like with uh, Ahab when Ahab convinced him to ally with him and go into battle with him. And so he said, yes. And then he said, maybe we should seek the Lord about this. Well, he doesn't do that this time to his credit, as we're about to see. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Uh, we're off to a good start. <laughs> he, 
He's going to kind of blow it here towards the end of the chapter, but at least for now, it seems that he's learned his lesson from the last time. But there is some question here as it relates to whether the fear on the part of Jehoshaphat was a fear of his enemies or a fear of the Lord. It says that he feared and then he set his heart to seek the Lord. Who did he fear? Did he fear the enemies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, or did he fear the Lord? Well, I believe it was a little bit of both, but I also believe it was supremely his fear of the Lord, and it's evidenced by his response, which is to call for this fast. I see Jehoshaphat as a successful failure. And what I mean by that is, is that he learned from his failure the last time, and this time it's a success. And that's what I call a successful failure. Listen, failures are only failures when you don't learn from your failures. Failure is and can be a good thing when you learn the lesson that the Lord has for you in that failure. And I believe that Jehoshaphat did learn uh, from his past failure with his alliance with Ahab. It is interesting to note that Jehoshaphat not only fasts and prays himself, but he also proclaims a fast throughout all of Judah. And this is huge. And to me, it speaks to the power of both prayer and fasting, which is always the best thing that you can do when you find yourself in an impossible situation. I, in my own walk with the Lord, uh, especially as of late, have uh, committed to times of prayer and fasting, not just for this church family, but for even my own family. And I've seen the hand of God move in a very powerful way, just as a result of fasting and praying. You know, Jesus spoke to this when the disciples found it impossible to cast out demons from this young boy. It's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. I want to read the account. It's really quite interesting. In verse 20, it says, Then they brought him to Jesus, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown both him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, and I love this, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, if you can imagine, just kind of picture the scene, tears streaming down his face. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Boy, how many times have I prayed that? Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. 
and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, and I just, you got a picture of the scene here, why could we not cast it out? In other words, they tried, and they couldn't. So Jesus said to them, and this is what I want, to, want us to really think about here, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now think about this. There are certain situations in our lives that will never work out absent praying and fasting. Now there are different kinds of fasts, and I think that fasting is kind of the lost art in the Christian church today. Some people fast, they only drink water. You really have to at least drink water. Some people uh, fast from food, and they just have a liquid fast, sometimes only for health reasons. When I fast, I used to, when I was younger, I could, I could go longer when I fasted. Now I can, I can make it about two days, uh, fasting for two days. Usually it's one day and one night. The most now I can go with at my age is two days and two nights. By the third day, um, I cannot form a sentence, intelligible <laughs> sentence, because <laughs> I'm just so, you know, my brain is kind of, I mean, the first day is, is usually the, the hardest, but what it does is you're denying yourself and you're focusing in on the Lord only and solely. And it, and it creates kind of this uh, hypersensitivity to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And when you're fasting and you're praying uh, and the Lord is speaking to you through his word and he's directing you, and fasting and, and prayer is so powerful. I had a, a situation, uh, still sort of dealing with it, but I was very specific during this time of praying and fasting, and I was asking the Lord during this time for this very specific answer to this situation. And it was within a matter of 24 hours that God answered my prayer. And because I prayed and fasted, He answered it exactly, specifically, as I had asked him for it. And it kind of reminded me of uh, just how powerful uh, fasting and prayer is. There, there can be those situations, I think, in our lives where uh, nothing but prayer and fasting will, uh, it'll come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. If you have health issues, you do want to be careful not to uh, enter into a fast, especially for an elongated period of time, if it can create problems. But I would really encourage you, um, if you've never prayed and fasted, to really revisit uh, just the power of uh, committing a time to uh, prayer and, and fasting. Some people uh, fast at, from TV. <laughs> that could be a good thing. <laughs> it's a denying of self, and it's a dedicating of yourself completely and uh, totally to the Lord for a period of time. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers. Now listen to this prayer. It's interesting. Are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all 
the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Verse 7, you who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, he's being sarcastic here, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Can somebody let the Palestinians know about this verse right here? And then verse 12, he prays, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. And I love this. Pay particular attention to this. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Wow. Now, (laughs) at first read, one could almost think that Jehoshaphat is taking the posture of informing God about this threat from the Ammonites and the Moabites as if God somehow didn't know about this. And lest we get too hard on Jehoshaphat, we do this all the time, don't we? I think they're called directional prayers or instructional or informational prayers where we inform God in our prayers. Lord, you know what what happened? It's kind of like, no, what? What happened, Joshua? (laughs) Are you kidding me? He's all-knowing. Of course he knows. That's not what Jehoshaphat is doing here. He's not reminding God as if somehow God forgot. He's not challenging God as if to say, God, are you not going to deliver us as you have before in the past? Are you not going to take care of this, our enemy, whom we would not attack who you told us not to attack during the exodus, and now they're threatening us? Look at this, Lord. What are you going to do about it? He's not challenging God. He's not informing God. He's not reminding God. He's recounting that which God has done. And in so doing, he's reassuring himself that God is going to do it again. Because after all, is he not the same God yesterday, today, and forever? I think this is a good way to pray. And it kind of reminds me of what David did when he wanted to fight Goliath. And he's before Saul. And Saul is actually trying to talk him out of it. Why don't you just go home? You know, David, uh, you, you cannot possibly battle against this Goliath. And I love what David does. He recounts what God had done 
for him in the past. I want to read it. It's in 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 34. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. In other words, with my bare hands. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord, and this is important, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. In other words, I I didn't do this. The Lord did this. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go (laughs) and the Lord be with you. In other words, okay, you got me. Good point. In other words, God delivered a bear and a lion into my hands. This uncircumcised Philistine is nothing. And besides, it's not me battling against this uncircumcised Philistine. This is this battle belongs to the Lord, and we're going to see that here momentarily as well. Something else I want to point out here about Jehoshaphat's prayer, and it has to do with what he prays in verse 12. Notice he says, We have no power against this great multitude that's against us. And then he says, nor do we know what to do. And then he says, but our eyes are on you. In all the years I've been walking with the Lord, I've had those times where the situation was just absolutely impossible. And I've kind of sensed from the Lord that this was the best place for me to be. It was impossible for me. I didn't know what to do. I had no power against this great impossibility. But the only thing I could do was just trust in the Lord and keep my eyes on the Lord. And that is exactly the position that Jehoshaphat is in. And that's the best place that any of us could possibly be. And this is the best way to pray. We don't know how God's going to do it. We don't know when God is going to do it or the way God is going to do it. By faith, we can know that God will do it. We just don't know when. You know, Romans 8, 28, we love that verse. Oh, how we love that verse and quote that verse. For we know that God works all things together for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that, for we know that when God, we don't know when. For we know how God, no, we don't know how. We just know that. By faith, God will, in His way and in His time and for His glory, work out that situation that He has allowed us into. He has allowed that to happen in our lives. You know, sometimes the only thing 
that is impossible for God to do is that which is still possible for us to do. It's as if we say to God, hands off, I got this. And God will never force himself on us. He'll never force his will on us. And, and unless and until we come to the end of ourselves and we throw up our hands and surrender and say, Lord, I can't. I can't do this. There's no way. It's in those times that God says, well, will you let me do it then? I'll do it. I'll do it in my way, and I'll do it for my glory. I like what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, they said, our eyes are upon thee. What did they mean by that? They meant, Lord, if help does come, it must come from thee. We are looking to thee for it. It cannot come from anywhere else, so we look to thee. But we believe it will come. Men will not look for that which they know will not come. We feel sure it will come, but we do not know how. So we are looking. We do not know when, but we are looking. We do not know what thou wouldest have us to do, but as the servant looks to her mistress, so are we looking to thee, Lord, Lord, we are looking. You know that famous proverb, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that basically says, lean not unto thine own understanding, trust in the Lord with all your heart, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths, or as one translation renders it, he shall make your paths straight. I like how one commentator described it. He will straighten it out. (laughs) You find yourself in an impossible situation. You've got yourself in a mess. He will straighten it out. But there are three things that are required in order for that to happen. The first is we're not to lean on our own understanding. Oftentimes I, I find that the Lord will bring me to the end of myself where it is so impossible and I don't understand. And when I don't understand, what is my response? Well, I sort of have to keep my eyes upon the Lord. I have to trust in the Lord. I have to acknowledge the Lord in all my ways, because I don't understand. Lord, what are you doing here? Surely there is something that you're doing in even this. And surely you're going to bring good from even this, no matter how bad it seems. I don't know how you're going to do it. I just know that you're going to do it by faith. And I'm looking to thee, O Lord, to do that which I know you will do. You've been faithful in the past. You will be faithful now. And you will always be faithful. We're told in Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This verse from the Old Testament reminds us of the redemptive hope that Jesus brought to the earth. No matter how good we try to be, we're all sinners and can never get to God on our own. However, God sent His only Son to earth to die on a cross in our place so that we would be set free from our sins. We just need to confess our sins and accept Jesus' free gift of forgiveness. 
If you'd like to know more about this relationship with Jesus, we have a great guide for you on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We're so excited for you and we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at the website and let us know how we can pray with you on your journey of faith. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time for today, but we thank you for listening to today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching through the book of Second Chronicles, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Do you-